Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank you, choir and our praise team, and thank all of you for taking part in worship. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to the book of 3rd John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation, back toward the end, 3rd John. We want to look at, it's only one chapter, 3rd John, verses 1 through 12. This morning I want to share a sermon entitled, What Kind of Christian Are You? What kind of Christian are you? 3 John, verses 1 through 12. To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, parting or prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that he himself does not receive the brethren, and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, <clears throat> but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. What kind of Christian are you? Heavenly Father, thank you for our time that we can come together for each person here today for this worship service beginning with the baptism, our hymns, our praise songs, and now to open your word and allow your spirit to speak to our hearts. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in, and I know your word is sure, it's powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, and Father, it will not return void. Once it leaves my mouth, this pulpit, you'll do the work that you want to do through your word. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me just give you a little background. First of all, John is known kind of as the Moses of the New Testament. Moses wrote the Pentateuch. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. John writes five books in the New Testament. He wrote the book of John, which speaks of faith in Christ. He wrote the book of 1 John, which speaks of church, which speaks of love. He wrote the book of um, 2 John, which speaks of making decisions. 
He wrote the, the book of 3 John that speaks of personalities in the church. And then he wrote the book of Revelation, which refers to things to come. We're seeing a lot of prophecy being fulfilled even in our day. And so the main idea of, of 3 John is that the lives and the reputations of the followers of Jesus Christ should reflect the love of Jesus, the, the affections of Jesus, and the hospitality of Jesus toward one another. Now, all of us have an invaluable possession. It goes where we go, and then it goes where we don't go. And that's your reputation. Your reputation is the evaluation that you have, that others have on your character, that others have on your integrity and on uh, your standing as a person. Your reputation may be good. Your reputation may be bad. Your reputation may be positive. Your reputation may be negative. But people will watch you, and they will talk about you. You can't escape it. You can't escape your reputation. You can't lose your reputation. Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, know the importance of a reputation, especially for the Christian. Quote, the eagle-eyed world acts as a policeman for the church. The world becomes a watchdog over the sheep, barking ferociously as soon as one goes astray. Be careful with your private lives, and I believe your public lives, and I believe your public lives will be all right. Remember, your public life is the verdict that the world will disperse. So with all that in mind, three questions real quick. What do you think of yourself? What do you believe others think about you? What does God think about you? Now this little postcard epistle from John, just over 200 words, one, one chapter, so to speak written to a man by the name of Gaius, written by John in about 80 to 95 A.D. The ancient church historian, uh, Eusebius, he said it was written after John was released from the rock quarry at Patmos there on the Aegean Sea. If that's correct, 3 John may have been the last letter written in the New Testament. And now it's in small letters, just a little small letter. John discusses the reputation of three men who are members of every congregation. Regardless of the denomination, regardless of the congregation, these three men are represented. They're represented here today, and when I say men, I mean that's generic for mankind, men and women. So the point is the names and faces change, but the personalities remain the same. 
So therefore, each one of us this morning must decide if we are a Gaius or if we are a uh, Diopterphes or if we are Demetrius. So first of all, look at Gaius real quick. Gaius, a commendable Christian. Taking notes, a commendable Christian. Gaius was a healthy Christian. He wasn't healthy physically. Matter of fact, they thought he was very sick during the time of this writing. Some believe that Gaius was recovering from some, from some physical illness. However, he was healthy spiritually. There are a lot of Christians who are healthy physically. I mean, but they're poor spiritually. Gaius was poor physically, but he was healthy spiritually. A lot of Christians today are healthy physically, but poor spiritually. They're healthy physically. That's good to be. Go to the gym. They eat properly. They work out with DVD uh, workout uh, videos, and, and then they're, they're in tone. They're in shape. They walk. They, they take their vitamin supplement. I mean, they are in shape physically, and that's good. 1 Timothy 4 eight says physical training is, is of some good value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So it's good to be physically fit for this life, but need to be spiritually healthy for this life now and then the life to come. So Gaius was healthy spiritually. He was in shape spiritually. He, was no, he had no spiritual flab about him. He was in tone spiritually. And he kept in shape spiritually by studying God's Word and by serving others and by obeying, by obeying the Word. So Gaius was a healthy Christian, but he also was a holy Christian. The word holy means separated. Separated. He was walking, the Bible says here, that he was walking in truth. Verse 3, John says, I have no greater joy because of what others are telling me about you, the truth that is in you. People, words getting out. This guest guy, he's walking in truth. He's walking in truth. Truth is in him. He's walking. What does, what does that mean? Others are saying the truth is in him. He he. He simply lived what he believed. In doctrine, he lived it. Indeed, he did it. There wasn't any contradiction in his profession and his practice. There wasn't any, any contradiction in, in what he said and what he did. It's a problem we have in the church today. There's a lot of contradiction in what people say and what they do. It's hard to even tell who is a Christian today. You have to tell somebody you're a Christian. You've got a spiritual problem. But notice verse 4. He says, my children. John called him his child. My children. That indicates that John had led Gaius to the Lord. And John said, you're making me happy. John was fathering spiritual children into the kingdom of God. He was bringing them to Jesus. And Gaius was a child of his in which he took great delight in because he began to hear these reports about Gaius. And as a pastor of a church, it brings delight to me when I hear 
people that I've led to the Lord that God's using them and they're serving the Lord and they're worshiping and they're taking part and they're serving and they're obeying. That brings delight to me. So Gaius was a commendable person, healthy Christian, a holy Christian in truth. And this also refers to his conduct. His conduct was what a, what a believer should be. He was living out his conduct as, as a believer. He had good conduct. He had a good testimony. And then verse 5 says that he was habitual, meaning that he was faithful. He was a faithful believer. Whatever he did, whatever it was, he was faithful. You need to be faithful in whatever you do as a believer. And so that's a major sin that plagues the church today is unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness of the members of the body of Christ. Think of that. So the question it brings to us is, are you faithful? Are we faithful? Are we faithful in attendance? Are we faithful in giving? Are we faithful in serving? Are we faithful in witnessing? Are we faithful? So Gaius was a healthy Christian, a holy Christian, separated to truth and faithfulness. He was habitual Christian faithfulness, verse 5, and he was hospitable, verses 6 through 8. He would bring missionaries into his home, and then he would send them out. He would encourage other Christians to help fund their mission trips. He was hospitable. You can stay at my house. Hey, come stay with me. I'll help you. I'll get you sent off. Verse 7, God's people went forth, notice, and they didn't, they didn't, or they didn't take or they didn't receive nothing from the Gentiles. Gentiles representing those without Christ. They didn't take any funds from the Gentiles. They didn't take any funds from the lost. So the point is, the people of God, the ministers of God, were supported. Excuse me, we're supported, uh, supportive of the people of God. The people of God, i.e. missionaries, the people of God, the ministers of God, supported those missionaries. You know, next Sunday we began our week of prayer for our international missionaries, December the 3rd. It's also the first Sunday of Advent. So we began our emphasis on praying for our international missionaries, Next Sunday, our overall goal at Southern Baptist National goal is, is $200 million. Our church goal is $3,000. So we'll have a week of prayer, the 10th, of the 3rd through the 10th. We'll come back. We'll receive our March to the Manger offering for our missionaries across the world. And prayerfully, we'll receive $3,000. Now, there are three reasons, it's not in your notes, three reasons that you need to give based on this passage of Scripture in Gaius. Three reasons. First reason, they sent forth these missionaries in his name. We need to give to missions because we're sending 4,000 missionaries plus out in his name. There's no other name under heaven whereby... Anyone can be saved except through the name of Jesus Christ. We need to help our missionaries because we're sending them out in his name. We need to help our missionaries because they took nothing from the Gentiles. 
They didn't take anything from the lost people. They didn't attempt to, to finance God's work with worldly money. You've heard that from this pulpit before. If it's, worth good, if it's worth doing, it's worth us supporting it as God's people. We don't do roadblocks. We don't do um, uh, outside fundraisers. If it's worth doing, we, we let God's people do it. And that's what the Bible teaches us, what Gaius was trying to tell us. So they depended on the generosity of the church. And we should also. Then the third reason we need to give, first of all, we're going to send it in Jesus' name. Secondly, we're not asking lost people to do that. We're going to do our own ministry. And then third, we're fellow workers. Did you see that? Verse 7. We're fellow workers with those missionaries. We may not all physically can go, but we can pray, we can give, we can support. And so Gaius, he was healthy, spiritually fit, he was holy, separated the truth, he was habitual, meaning faithful, and he, had, he was hospitable, verses 6 through 8. He was willing to bring people in his home, help get money to send them out in Christ's name to do mission work. So you have Gaius. You like Gaius? Are you saying right now, hey, I'm, I'm like that guy. I mean, that, that's me. That's, that's me dead out, Brother Sammy. I, I'm like him. But you have another guy. His name is Diotrephes, verse 9 through 11. And the best way to describe him, Diotrephes, is that he was just, he had a harmful agenda. He had a harmful agenda. I mean, the bottom line is bottom line is he wanted to be the boss of the church. I mean, he loved himself and not others. He had this dominating spirit about him. He was opposed to John from the get-go. He set himself up to be the Lord over the church. Now, he wasn't the pastor of the church. This was just his personality. This was his characteristic. And so if anyone took exception to what he was doing there at the church, that person would be dismissed from the congregation. Pretty powerful guy, wouldn't he? Diotrephes. He's, he's mirrored in the church today by those who lust for power. Want power. Just let me, you know, years and years and years ago, I had a person come to me and we were planning a big event and he had something a little different that, that he thought was more important than what the church was planning. And, and he came, and, and, and this is what he said. This is, it's been years and years and years ago. I'm trying to figure out who it is. Dead and with the Lord. And this is what he said. He said, all I'm asking, Brother Sammy, is let me run it for one day. Run it. Really? So in John, 3 John, 1 through 8, John commends Gaius. But now in verses 9 and 10, he condemns the atrophies. And he has a strong rebuke for him in verses 9 through 10. And the rebuke is, do not be driven by prideful ambition. That's good advice to all of us. John writes a letter to the church. He writes this letter to the church, but the church never received. You know, there was a lost letter written in the Bible and never was found. 
because he wrote it to the church at Ephesus, and Diotrephes intercepted it and didn't give it to the pastor, and no one read it but him. Kind of suspect that, that Diotrephes received it. Nobody else read it. But the way Diotrephes is his Diotrephes, that name is only mentioned one time in the New Testament. Right here it is. Right here it is. It's never mentioned again in the New Testament. And he loved to have, the Bible says, he loved to have preeminence. He loved, that means he loved to be first place. He loved to be, he, he loved to be first among everyone else. He, he wanted to be in control. And even though he was not the pastor, he was one that just loved to control things. And the issue in the church at Ephesus, that issue was pride. So here's a member of the church who wants to be number one, wants to be the captain of the ship, wants to be the CEO, wants to be the center of attention, call it what you might. But Colossians 1.18 says, Jesus is to have first place in everything. So the point is, the Atrophies took for himself the position that belonged to Jesus. And the same thing happens today. Churches everywhere perhaps through a pastor, or perhaps through a youth director, or some powerful family in the church, or some layperson, some deacon. Diotrephes was driven by pride. And the warning is, do not be driven by prideful ambition like Diotrephes. Gaius, Diotrephes. And the second warning, he says, do not display arrogance. First chapter, I mean, uh, John 3, Third John, verse 9. Diotrephes would not receive John. Imagine that. Here's the A apostle of Jesus writing a letter, not recognized, won't even recognize the apostle. This person thought, this person thought John the apostle had no, nothing to offer whatsoever, nothing that, that he or the church needed. No use messing with John. John was old news. It was time for him to retire, time for him to move off the scene. That's pretty shocking. I mean, what if you had the opportunity and said, hey, you can meet with the Apostle John today. I mean, you can meet with Apostle John. What, what if you had that opportunity to hear John the Apostle, one of the twelve? One of the inner sanctum, you had Peter, James, and John, closest to Jesus. Chief pillar, chief pillar in the New Testament church in Jerusalem. This guy, he wouldn't even respond to John. And that's how Satan can control a person. And don't you think that he won't try it on you either? That's how he does. I've discovered in my past years of ministry that church members who, who want power and position and prestige will usually attack the pastor. They'll do it privately. They'll do it openly. And then they'll start a whisper campaign trying to undermine the pastor's character and his ministry and, in this case, his capability. John says, hey, that person is 
Diotrephes. So you have guess. And he says Diotrephes is pratting. You know what that means? Running his mouth. Verse 11. Follow not that which is evil. You know he had some followers? Diotrephes had some followers. No doubt about it. Diotrephes had a following. He manipulated people. And, and they believed his, his remarks against John while at the same time they were destroying the local congregation of that church. Don't follow him, John says. Follow that which is good. And you're following evil. There's nothing good about you. Matter of fact, you're not, God's not in you. So the one who practices righteousness is a child of God. The one who does not is, does not know God, is not born of God. So you have Gaius, a commendable Christian. You have Diotrephes, a man with a harmful agenda. And then you had Demetrius, and real quick, and I'm finished. Demetrius was a man with just a good testimony. I mean, he had a good report among all men. Is that you? I mean, people think highly of you. You have a good report. I mean, uh, John said, Demetrius is the one you can mimic. You ever mimicked anyone? I was playing with Judah, our granddaughter, the other day, and she'd raise her hand, and I'd raise my hand. and she, I'd mock her. You know, we called it mocking. I was mimicking her. And he says, listen, Demetrius is the one you need to mimic. You need to mock. John's saying, you, you can test his life by the Bible, and he's going to pass the test. He was a humble person. He loved God. He loved the Word of God. He loved people. He didn't want any prestige. He didn't want any power. He just wanted to support the work and encourage the preacher. Amen for those, and we have a lot of them here, that just want to work and serve. My goodness, all the things had gone on from Brotherhood Breakfast last Sunday until today. It's just people serving and going and getting and bringing and doing and so many and supporting the preacher. Third John gives us the characteristics or I could say I, the character sketch of three personalities that are found in the church. Every church, which one do you represent? Gaius, commendable Christian, spiritually healthy, holy in conduct, walking in truth, habitual, faithful in everything that he could do, hospitable, bringing missionaries in, helping them get off, helping raise the funds, diatrophies, driven by prideful ambitions, and had life displayed just with pure old arrogance. And then number three, Demetrius, a man with just a consistent testimony of good and what God was doing and what he was doing for God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come into your presence. Think of these characteristics that's found in the church. People examining their heart right now, Lord. And that's what you've told us to do. And Lord, I pray, I thank you for Gaius's. And if there's anyone in the sound of my voice is, is a Diotrephes, I pray you'll convict them of that. And God, that you would change their mind. They'd fall and they'd humble their heart. And they'd ask you to come into their life and save them. According to your word, the, the person with that type of personality is not born of God. And Lord, I pray if anyone here listening or viewing has that personality, 
they'd realize that they're lost and they need to be humbled. They need to humble themselves before God and cry out to you to save them, forgive them. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, for the mercies. And Lord, they just known by their testimony. I thank you for this congregation and the personalities that make it up, the hard work that's done to bring things about. Lord, your people come together and they work so hard. And you've blessed us for it in the past. You'll continue to bless us in the future. Thank you for what you're going to do during this time of invitation. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you.